Now, praise the Lord. Oh, children be dismissed at this time, ages 4 to 10, through the back with my wife. You don't want to miss this. We got one taker. One taker. Boy, he's going to have the undivided attention of my wife tonight. All right, if there's others here, uh, the ch children's kids crusade uh, every evening starting tonight for the uh, little ones, ages 4 to 10. Going to be a good time back there. I'll tell you what, uh, highly encourage uh, everybody to participate. Well, that was a wonderful song, wasn't it? Man, I'll tell you what, life is all about sowing and reaping. Uh, you always reap uh, what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. You always reap later than you sow. So just keep on sowing, okay? And if you're short on faith, get around somebody else and borrow theirs for a while, amen? But sow what you got, you know, just sow what you got. And uh, I'll tell you what, God will help us through these uh, situations. Well, this is a home improvement conference, so we're here to improve our home, so we've got some tools to assist us, okay? So we have a little brochure back there, pick one of these up, take it home tonight, read it as a family, pride, the great sin. I may think pride might have, a, have something to do with family problems. <laughs> it's got something to do with it, everything to do with it, so check this out. Uh, since we were here last, I believe we have uh, produced some more books. So here's my wife's book, The Extraordinary Mother. Boy, every man in the house, every son, daughter in the house ought to get this for your mom, I'm telling you. The Extraordinary Mother, 30 Days of Encouragement for Mothers. Uh, 30 chapters, tremendous. And then here's one, not as good, The Extraordinary Father, because I compiled this. My wife compiled this, so it's really, really it's extraordinary. And this is... Uh, Kind of extraordinary. The Extraordinary Father, but uh, really it's other people's uh, chapters. Rick, you wrote some in this, didn't you? You write in most of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this, is, this man is a good writer. I mean, he is a good writer, good singer, good speaker. Just tremendous. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's good. <laughs> he, he wrote, he wrote a, a hundred of that family time thing we did one time. <laughs> a hundred of them. I don't know how in the world I ever got you to do that, brother. But anyhow, a 31-day mentorship program for fathers. Every son, every daughter, every wife ought to get this. Mother's Day is coming. Father's Day is coming. Here's some things right here, seriously, that can be a help and a blessing to you. All right, tonight we're going to talk about uh, happy home is where family members speak appropriately. So that's page 12 in your little booklet. Page number 12 in your booklet uh, is the outline right here where you can take some notes if you like. Now, there was a woman who bought a parrot for a pet. She bought a parrot for a pet. And it was a very rude parrot, and it was insulting her constantly. And every time she picked it up, it would peck her arm. And uh, one day, the, the, the parrot finally, uh, he, crossed the, he crossed the line, and he said to the, the, the woman, the parrot said, you're ugly, and I can't stand you. And the woman opened the freezer door, threw the parrot in, and closed the door. And the parrot kept on running its mouth for about two minutes and finally went dead silent. And the woman thought, I've killed the parrot. So she went over to open up the freezer door, and the parrot just looked at her, and then the parrot said, I'm very sorry. I apologize for my bad behavior, and I promise you... Uh, I will never insult you again. From now on, I will be a respectful, obedient parent. And the woman said, well, okay, apology accepted. And the parent said, can I ask you just one thing? And the woman said, yeah, what? And the parent looked back at the freezer and he asked, what did that chicken do? 
so the point being, words are important. And I believe that the misuse of words is one of the greatest problems in the home. Now, you have power in your mouth. You have power in your mouth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. One of the, it's a small member, but it's very powerful. Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. So you can speak life into your home. You can speak spirit into your home. You, you have the power with that little member to bless or to blast. You have the power to delight or to destroy. You have the power to build up or to tear down. Uh, what you say and what you don't say uh, influences others. Everybody longs for a nest without thorns. Everybody longs for a nest without thorns, free from verbal uh, barbs, uh, a peaceful, pleasant, pure speech. And revival will always come to the home before it comes to the church. Now, we got a couple of scriptures here. I think we can put them up on the screen if we have them there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Let's just stand and read this out loud together as a congregation, shall we? Revelation, uh, Revelation, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Read it out loud tonight with me. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Look at that. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. I want you to bow your heart for a moment. I'm going to, open up, I'm going to ask you to open up your soul to the Lord tonight and ask God to teach you something and uh, sanctify your home to where our, your home, my home, all our homes would be happier places. Just, uh, just uh, communicate with the Lord, opening up your heart to his speaking voice tonight. Our Father, tonight we're thankful for the word of God that tells us uh, how to operate, especially in the home. So, Lord, as we look through some of these verses in Ephesians, we would pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding, and God, you've got permission to talk directly to us. You have our attention. I want to thank you in advance for speaking to every heart. We pray in Christ's name with expectation. Amen. You can be seated. Now, the Bible says, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. So, deception is forbidden. Honesty is commanded. Speak truth. A woman came into a butcher shop one time back in the old days, and she wanted a chicken. So the butcher reached down into that barrel. How many of you remember that old barrel they used to have on the Red Skelton show? So that old date you right there. And, and, he, and he pulled out this chicken, and he put it on the scale, and it said five pounds. The woman said, do you have a bigger chicken? The truth is, he had one chicken. So he put the same chicken back into the barrel and pulled the identical same five-pound chicken out laid it on the scale, this time resting his hand on the scale, and it read seven pounds. And the lady said to the butcher, good, I'll take both of them. So be sure your sin will find you out. <laughs> now, you know, your speech is the most accurate gauge of your spiritual condition. Uh, James says, if any man among you seem to be religious... And bridleth not his tongue, cannot control his tongue. This man's religion is vain, futile, uh, nil, vain, empty, unreal. So uh, our speech tells on us, does it not? You know, I'm amazed on Facebook. We, we put up slides every day on Facebook, and, uh, and, uh, and, and people copy these slides. And sometimes I look at who copied them, 
And we got these wonderful quotes from all kinds of people, but on their next post, they'll be using words you don't find in the King James Bible. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm wondering, what is up with this? Uh, put away lying. Uh, your words are important. Your words tell on you. Now look in verse 29, or rather on the screen, look at uh, verse uh, 29, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, look, listen to this. Let no corrupt communication, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace unto the hearers. Now, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, corrupt means putrid, rotten. <laughs> uh, let, let no rotten communication, filthy uh, communication come out of your mouth. I preached here so many times, I've told you a bunch of my stories. Act like you never heard it. My brother and I were getting up potatoes one summer. Now, we lived in the country, man. And, uh, I mean, we, we planted enough potatoes to feed us plus five other families, you know. We had like a, a half acre. Now, we had this thing down. My father had a, a John Deere tractor, a putt-putt two-cylinder, 1950M. And uh, we figured out you could put a horse-drawn plow on a chain on the drawbar of the tractor. And it was a turning plow. And if you hit it just right, uh, the potatoes would literally fall out of the hill into the, into the road. Now, it, it, if you did it right, it was just amazing. And then you'd have to go and pick up these potatoes. So it was about 95 degrees one day, and my brother and I were out there picking up, harvesting these potatoes. And there was one potato stuck in the hill where the plow had cut a furrow. And it was kind of sticking out, so I reached down to grab it. And when I grasped this baseball-sized potato, I could tell instantly it was an unstable potato. The skin was intact, but the ingredients were liquid. The insides were liquefied. So I got this unstable potato in my hands. Now, has anybody ever smelled a rotten potato? Do you know what I'm talking about? Putrid, rotten. So I was looking at this potato. My brother was from here to the guitar over there. And I used to pitch baseball. And I looked at my brother and looked at that potato. And he looked at me and he turned around and started hauling. And uh, I reared back and I, I took that unstable potato. And I threw it, hit him dead center in the back splat all over all over his back you talking about rank you talk you talking about i'm about to throw up just thinking about it and after he finished throwing up uh, he started throwing some fist in my direction after that episode right there but the bible says don't let any kind of rotten uh corrupt communication come out of your mouth now that means no yelling in the home <laughs> no name calling no put downs you know, when family members begin to argue and quarrel, Satan declares himself neutral and provides ammunition to both sides. Don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. I mean, you know, there's some things we shouldn't say, and there's certain tones we should never engage in. Disrespect brings division. Say that out loud. Disrespect brings division. Corrupt speech, what does it do? It contaminates. It alienates. It separates. It divides. Don't verbalize every thought that comes into your mind. <laughs> How many of you have all kinds of stuff just come into your mind all the time? Keep quiet. You don't have to say everything. I was in the first grade. 
first grade. I grew up, I was, a, I was the youngest child, you can probably tell, and um, my parents were too old to discipline me. Uh, so I grew up, and I was in the first grade, and the second graders put on a plate, and they dressed up like animals and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting out there, you know, first grade, you know, a movie critic in the making here, theatrical critic in the making, and I'm sitting out there thinking to myself, this is the sorriest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I wasn't trying to be hateful or anything. That's just what I was thinking, first grade. So I just happened to verbalize this to one of the second graders in the play. Not meaning anything by it, just, you know, being an objective bystander in the first grade. And, uh, well, he went and told his teacher. <laughs> and his teacher went and told my teacher. And, buddy, my teacher came and told me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, and I learned right then, you better not verbalize everything you think. D.O. Moody said, if God's people would not talk for 30 days, we'd have revival. <laughs> A woman said to Wesley, she said, I think I know what my talent is. And she said, I think my talent is to speak my mind. Wesley said, I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. Now, corrupt speech is forbidden, but edifying speech is commanded. That which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace to the ears, gracious speech, kind, warm, inviting speech. So make it your purpose every day to speak blessing into the lives of your family. Now, I got, I got uh, eight simple points. Rules for family conversations. Rules for family conversations. Just some practical thoughts. Number one, think twice before you speak. Think twice before you speak. Think before you speak, but don't speak everything you think. Somebody said, smart people speak from experience. Smart people speak from experience, but smarter people from experience don't speak at all. Now, when your mind goes blank, don't forget to cut off the sound. <laughs> if your brain is in park, make sure your mouth is not in high gear. Now, your thoughts are important. Your thoughts are important because your thoughts precede your words. Your thoughts give birth to your words. Uh, words create an atmosphere. And that's why you need to think twice before you speak. Your mind and your mouth are synchronized. <laughs> They're interrelated. They're inextricably, inextricably bound together, your, your mind, mind, and your mouth. So you control your mind, control your thoughts, you control your tongue. And then you control your tongue, you control your thoughts. It works both ways. If you want to get something out of, your, out of your mind, get it out of your mouth. If you want to get something out of your mind, quit rehearsing it. You've been over it about 15,000 times already. Isn't that enough? Just, just close that case. Does anybody here, you, you know, we, our ministry just got ripped off, which I shouldn't be saying this because I'm reminding myself to be upset. But, uh, you know, when those kind of things happen, you've got to quit talking about it. And if you want to get it out of your, out of your uh, mind, you first get it out of your mouth. And it works the other way. Now, the kind of words you utilize create a tone. The kind of words you utilize create a tone. Gracious words, kind words, gentle words, patient words, loving words. You know, the climate in your home is the result of your thoughts and your words. And being, seeing how the thoughts precede words, you've got to qualify the thoughts you allow uh, to, to entertain in your mind because words create an environment, all right? Now, you know what you need? You need a good thoughts list. You know, I, I think I probably told you this. Um, 
But, um, you know, cancer came knocking. And, you know, some people handle cancer really good. Not everybody handles cancer really good, okay? I just want to tell you that. Not everybody uh, is just good with everything right off the bat. Some people are going to have to work through these kind of things. In my case, of course, I handled it poorly. And uh, I fell into a depression. And it got really dark. It got really dark. I couldn't think of anything positive. So a fellow said to me one day, he said, Harold, you need a good thoughts list. I said, yeah, I know it. You got any ideas? He said, yeah, go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And, and Philippians 4, verse 8 says, whatsoever things are, and name some of those things. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise. About eight descriptive things there. That, uh, how does it say? These, these thoughts, entertaining these kind of thoughts, things that are lovely and pure and just and honest and good report and praise on all these kind of things. So he says, now what you need to do is you need to think of the things in your life that fit every one of those descriptive words. I said, all right, I'll do it. So I set out, I even Xeroxed me a piece of paper, man, and put the words on it. And would you believe I was so negative and so far removed from gratitude that I could not think of anything that was pure. I couldn't think of anything that was honest. I couldn't think of anything that was just. I mean, I sat there for 40 minutes straining my mind. How many know that uh, you can feel it when you're straining your mind? And I was straining my mind to come up with something. And, and, and after 40 minutes, all I could come up with was uh, God and heaven. That's the only two things I could think of in my life that were fit to think on according to this filter in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. So I did this every day. I made myself do it. It was hard. I couldn't think of anything. And then I got to thinking, hey, Jesus is good. (laughs) I got to thinking of some scriptures. I thought, this is good. And then I thought of stuff like that. But as far as human relationships, I was drawing a blank. Now, after about four weeks, I finally thought of a company, a corporation, who actually did what they said they were going to do. We're a Marriott's rewards member. And, you know, they actually do what they say they're going to do. So I put that down on the thing right there. Honest. Man, I praise God. Even the Mormons have to be honest. I can't think of any Baptists, but the Mormons are. At least this, this one is. And so I put that down there. And then I thought of some other things. Now, after about five weeks, I began to come up with more things in my life that my eyes were open to that qualified. Are you with me? Things that were pure and just and honest and virtuous and lovely and of good report. And, and you know, I did this for about eight weeks. And after about the eight weeks, man, I was seeing all kinds of good things, you know. But I had to intentionally force myself to think on these things. And I'm just telling you, if you're having a problem with the way you speak, the problem is between your ears. The problem is what you're thinking. And you can change your thinking, you can change your focus, you can change your feelings. And I'm telling you, if you look for stuff, there's stuff in your life that's good. Some of you are going through terrible times, I know that. You're going through horrific times, like awful storms and valleys and crises. But in the midst of all of that, there's still some good things going on if you'll, if you'll be on the lookout for them. And sometimes it helps us to enumerate those things and to verbalize those things and to write those things down.
So, in company, guard your tongue. In solitude, guard your thoughts. Don't go to the worst possible conclusion every time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, does anybody ever read on the internet when you got some sort of a symptom and you read on the internet to find out what's going on and then you read everybody else's experience who has those symptoms and you diagnose yourself with every disease known to man? If you read enough of them, that's exactly what's wrong with me. No, it's not what's wrong with you. And I'll tell you, when you run into a dilemma like that, I'll tell you what uh, Dale Carnegie said. He said, when you come into a crisis, gather all the facts. He said, gather all the facts you can. And you just do this one time. You don't need to do this for years. <laughs> gather all the facts. Make the best possible decision and never look back. And I'm telling you, there's some wisdom in that kind of, kind of thinking right there. But change your thoughts. Now, think twice before you speak. Let me, let me give you some rules for speech. Number one, is it true? Is it true? Number two, is it necessary? Number three, is it loving? And if it doesn't pass all the tests, then you might want to think twice before you speak. Number two, speak calmly, not combatively. Speak calmly, not combatively. You know, some people are just calm and nice. You know what I'm talking about? They are just, did you know some people are not just calm and nice? They're just not that way. Now, uh, swallowing angry words before you say them is better than having to eat them afterwards. And people who are forced to swallow their words never ask for second helpings. So speak calmly, not combatively. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous, word, grievous words stir up anger. Self-control is the key to speech control. You've got you to control yourself before you can control your tongue. Now, words affect behavior. Do you believe that? Words affect behavior. I just, I just uh, saw this. There was a UK uh, documentary, documentary series on television called, on BBC called The Young Ones, The Young Ones. So the researchers did an experiment. They exposed one group of university students to words about aging. And they were exposed to words like old, infirm, hobble, geriatric, and they just heard these kind of words for 10 minutes. There was another group, and that second group heard words like skip, joy, jump, fun, young, energy. Now, both groups were forced to listen to those words for 10 minutes. Now, the group exposed to uh, age-related words moved from the room more slowly. The ones that heard about geriatric, old, hobble, and so on and so forth. Uh, they say some of them were stooped over. These are university young people. <laughs> and some were sad. But the group exposed to youth-related words like skip and joy and young and happy um, uh, walked faster some uh, even ran from the room. Uh, they said one of them skipped out of the room and just about all of them were smiling. And the point being uh, that words affect behavior. Words affect people. Now, the tongue is never satisfied. It must be crucified. That's why we've got to have the application of the cross to that little red member. Now, remember when Moses brought the uh, children of Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness, and they went out there for three days, and they found no water. But if they find some water in Virginia, if they've been there for the last eight months, we get a flood every month, but they couldn't find anything. <laughs> and when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the water because the waters were bitter. So the people mur murmured against Moses and said, what was she, shall we drink? And, and 
and, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed Moses a tree. And when he cast this tree into the waters, they were made sweet. Now, brethren, there's only one tree that can sweeten the waters of a bitter heart, and that's a tree called Calvary. And I'm telling you, that crucifixion of that little red devil, that application of the cross, will enable us to speak calmly and not combatively. Number three, compliment instead of criticize. Compliment, rules for speaking in the home. Compliment instead of criticize. Somebody said, criticism is the death gargle of a non-achiever. <laughs> criticism is the death gargle of a non-achiever. Uh, tact is the knack of making a point without making an enemy. <laughs> Listen, compliment instead of criticize. Now, uh, complaint, listen to this. I just read this. You know you read a lot of stuff, but this one guy, he says that complaint mushes your brain. <laughs> complaint mushes your brain, his word. And that's according to Trevor Blake, who wrote a book called Three Simple Steps. And here's what he said. Blake said that listening to words of complaint for as little as 30 minutes strips away neurons in a certain area of the brain. Can you imagine being a customer relation person in Lowe's? They probably have no brains left, you know. But, but listening to, to, to 30 minutes of complaint strips away the neurons out of the brain. Now, so he, he concluded that complaining turns the brain to mush. <laughs> so if you want your spouse to keep what brain cells they currently have, stop complaining. Now, listen, compliment instead of criticize. Before you correct, first compliment. Look for reasons to praise your family. Magnified positive qualities. How many know praise is a motivator? I'm telling you, children want the approval of their parents. I'm just telling you, they want the approval. And we need to learn how to give it. In the Old Testament, the patriarchs pronounced blessings on their children. For example, Isaac blessed his sons. Joseph blessed his children. And these verbal blessings were prophetic. Uh, what the father said carried weight. For what the father said impacted his offspring. What he said came true. His words were translated into reality. They were prophecies. These verbal blessings that they spoke, these, these patriarchs that they spoke, uh, they actually affected their people. Now, we can speak blessing into our families. Look for stuff to compliment. And you know, when your children make stupid decisions, think back to all the stupid decisions you make, and that'll calm you down right quick. Amen? You just think about some of them. You know, oh, man, they're doing pretty good. <laughs> so, so bless your children. Uh, bless your spouse. B bless your, I mean, you can even bless your enemy. So compliment instead of criticize. And if you have to correct, give a compliment first. That's a good way to go about it. Now, notice number four. Magnify the positives instead of the negatives. Rules for family conversation. Magnify the positives instead of the negatives. You've got to resize your experiences. You determine how big things are. And small things should not be exaggerated in your mind. So you've got to resize your experiences. You choose what you magnify. Now, uh, we were at a couple's retreat one time. I'll never forget this. And, and the director said, now, let's, men, let's stand up and let's tell something positive about our wives. 
So here are all the guys who are thinking, you know, uh, trying to get up and say something uh, to brag on their wives. And this one guy stood up and he said, you know, he was one of these uh, deep uh, introspective types. And he stood up and he said, well, you know, uh, I've had to put up with a lot over the years. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, what an idiot. I, I mean, that is not the time to say something like that. I, I mean, he's supposed to be bragging on his wife and he's focused. <laughs> I've learned to put up with a lot over the years. She should have kicked him in the backside, you know. I mean, just ridiculous. So, so listen, magnify the positives. Now, somebody said, be kind to everyone you meet because everybody's fighting a hard battle. <laughs> I like that. Maintain a positive atmosphere in your home. I said, maintain a positive atmosphere in your home. Try to keep it on the positive. I mean, just, just, just intentionally go for this. Now, you know, when our children were growing up, we didn't do a lot of things that other parents and other families did, but we never magnified what we didn't do. We, ever, we never talked about it. Sometimes we lay out some principles as to why this is the way we're operating, but we never emphasized what we didn't do that other people were doing. We just never, I mean, we never did this. Uh, we looked for reasons to celebrate. I, we looked for reasons to have a party. I, I, this is the truth. Because I would go to churches and, and pastors would say, Harold, if, if, if we didn't go to see our children, our children would never come and see us. Man, that scared the life out of me. I thought, all right. We're going to do something different here, buddy. So we were looking for reasons to have a, have a big time. And we had a lot of fun. I'm just telling you, we had a lot of fun. And you know what? Uh, if you have small children, if you have a happy home, they'll want to come back. If you don't, they won't. It's as simple as that. So look for reasons uh, to celebrate. Look for things, things to uh, 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 create a climate in your home that will draw your family back once they're grown. We love to have our family come over. And they come over and we have all kinds of get-togethers and so on and so forth. So you can work at this, all right? You can work at this. One man said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life encouraging people. Well, I like that. I'm going to spend the rest of my life encouraging people. So, buddy, we got two to three encouraging quotes. Most of them are encouraging. <laughs> Up every day on Facebook. We're going to encourage as many people as we can along the way. Magnify the positives. Number five, listen first and speak later. Listen first and speak later. You can learn to be a good listener. Psychologists get 200 bucks an hour for listening. They just sit there and doodling on their pad, you know, making plans, and, but they're looking like they're listening. And, and I'm telling you, you can learn to be a good listener. Now, you know, people, for some reason, tell me all kinds of stuff. I'm stunned at the stuff people come up and tell me. <laughs> you wouldn't believe some of the things people come up and tell me. Out of the clear blue, they don't even know me. And I'm sitting there thinking, do, do I look like a doctor? Do I look like a psychologist? Here, they're coming up telling me all these kind of things. I'm sitting there thinking, what is this? And then I, I try to figure it out, and I think I got it figured out. I look too old to be a threat. <laughs> that must be it. So they just come up and tell me all this kind of stuff. And, oh, wow. And I go home and tell my wife, I said, you won't believe this. <laughs> but I leave that thing out. Now, look, uh, the Bible says... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So listen first and speak if necessary. 
You know, when I was in the first grade, I used to get, uh, uh, remember when they used to put notes on the uh, back of the report cards? Remember this? Every month, mine said the same thing. Harold talks too much in class. I don't want anybody to be deprived of my persuasions. <laughs> my thoughts are in technicolor. In fact, my thoughts are so bold, I'm surprised you can't hear them. I, I, I mean, it's amazing. So I would have these things coming to my mind, and I'd verbalize. I didn't want, I didn't want, I don't want anybody to escape without the wisdom of my, <laughs> of my, my thoughts. And so they, Harold talks too much in class. It happened every time. So look, you, listening, <laughs> listen first, speak if necessary. Listening is a sign of respect. Okay? It's just a sign of respect. Now, how do you listen? L- look people in the eye. You know, just look them in the eye and uh, give them your undivided attention. I met Roy Hessian, who wrote the Calvary Road. I mean, here's this guy. You know, in our minds, I like the Apostle Paul. You know, he wrote the Calvary Road. So it so impacted us and millions of others. And when we met him, uh, we wanted to hear about him. But he wouldn't say anything about him. He was only interested in us. I didn't want to hear about us. I already knew about us. There wasn't anything interesting here. But, but he, was, he was totally, totally uh, giving us his undivided attention. And that's a, it's a sign of respect. Hear them out. And don't try to predict what they're going to say if they're having a hard time getting it out, you know. Now, uh, when you listen to people, listen for pain. Listen for pain. Listen for discouragement. Listen to them. Listen for honor. I'm telling you, you can tell where a, man's, where a person's going to end up by the people they respect and the people that they honor. I'm telling you, listen for understanding. What are they really saying here? Listen for desire. What, what do they really want here? Listen for desire. Listen for hunger. Listen first and speak later. So uh, in your home, listen first to speak later. Number six, don't interrupt, but learn to interpret. Don't interrupt, learn to interpret. A man asked his wife what she wanted for her birthday, and she said she wanted to be six. Well, he misinterpreted. So on her birthday, he got her up. He got dressed, went to the amusement park. He put her on every ride, Ferris Ferris wheel, you know, uh, merry-go-round, the whole thing, round-up, scrambler. Five hours later, they stumbled out of the park into McDonald's. He went up to the counter, ordered her a happy meal. Her husband uh, uh, then went to the movies. And they went to see Star Wars, you know, a 40-year-old film. And, and, and he went for hot dogs and soft drinks and all this kind of junk. And, and, and the moment got home, they, they got home that night, she collapsed in bed. And before she went to sleep, the husband said, Well, dear, what was it like being six again? And with one eye open, she said, You idiot, when I said six, I meant my dress size. Now, he misread the situation. Now, strong communication is the key to every relationship. And the lack of communication diminishes understanding and diminishes emotional involvement. You know what I think? I think we ought to get closer the farther we get down the road. That's what I think. And I think it's possible. I'm just telling you, it's possible. Now, we can do this. Now, instead of just listening to what other people say, interpret what they mean. Uh, you got to decode their words. Uh, when the wife says, I have nothing to wear, what she really means is, I have nothing new to wear. When the husband says, I have nothing to wear, what he means is, 
I have nothing clean to wear. But they are meaning two different things. Now, don't parse your, uh, your, your, your spouse's words. Listen to their hearts. How many know some people have a hard time communicating themselves? I've been in testimony meetings when people stand up and they try to say something, but they can't say it. But they needed to say it. One gracious pastor said to me one time, well, I don't know what they were saying, but they needed to say that. And, 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 and so listen to people. Uh, uh, try, try to interpret what they mean and, and distill the essence of their hearts. So in dealing with children, boy, I, know, I was always the worst one to try. To, is this rebellion or is this ignorance? You know, are they intentionally defying me and putting on a front? Or are, are they just ignorant? Or, or is this a lack of comprehension? Or is this just flat out disobedience? So, uh, uh, you know, you, you ask yourself sometimes, as a, am, are they lying or am I missing something here? You know, so you got to learn to listen to what is intended here. Make an extraordinary effort to understand. All right, for uh, uh, communications in the home, number seven, labor to be understood. Labor to be understood. Do your best to communicate clearly. Uh, parents, you gotta, you've got to establish your authority. You've got to establish your authority. Somebody's going to be running the show. R.G. Lee said, parental authority has not disappeared. The children have taken it over. My observation nowadays is that, uh, boy, we got, a, we got a serious problem on our hands. I want to tell you something. You can't afford to permit disrespect in your home. You can't afford to permit disrespect. You can't, you can't put up with it. And it's not just words. It's the tone that communicates disrespect. The tone. Now, I was on a mission field. One of the missionary uh, children uh, had told his father, told him off, and hit him, struck him. You know what the passive missionary did? He just stood there. You know what he should have done? Decked the brat. That's what I think. You can't put up with that kind of hogwash in the, in the house. Uh, people don't learn from people they don't respect. You have to establish your authority. And I ain't talking about being abusive here, but I'm telling you one thing. If a kid came, one of my kids came after me, they'd do it one time. I'm just telling you, that's the only time they would ever do that. They never did that. They never did that. But listen to me. Listen to me. You're, the tone uh, uh, communicates. And now, the comfort zone, a comfort zone of disrespect creates a climate. Uh, the, way, the way you speak to your spouse influences the way your children view your spouse. And if the uh, uh, father and mother are yelling, I'm just telling you, it influences the way the children look at father and mother. Uh, disrespect is duplicated. Disrespect has a consequence. It has an influence. And the direction in a home is not determined by what you teach. It's by what you tolerate. So, so respect is conveyed by countenance, as by tone, by words. We were in a church a long time ago, and before Sunday morning, the pastor, uh, pastor's wife brought the children in to meet us. And buddy, you could take one look at these two children, these teenagers, and you can tell they weren't excited about meeting us. <laughs> so the pastor, he tried to, to introduce his children to us, and there they are rolling their eyes. I'm like, 
And they, 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 they didn't have any respect for their father, had no respect for their mother. They had no respect for us. They had no respect for anybody. And I said to my wife, I said, uh, this isn't going to turn out good. So since that, since those days, prison time, out of wedlock, children, and a host of heartache. Why? Because a climate of disrespect was tolerated. Now, parents are being trained by their children to accept disrespect. <laughs> We're supposed to be training them. <laughs> but if you don't watch it, they'll, they'll wind up training us. So this murmuring and complaining and talking back, you can't put up with it. You can't tolerate disrespect in your home. Clearly set ground rules for the home. And don't assume that everybody knows what to expect. <laughs> I mean, clearly lay it out there. Every home needs house rules. Establish boundaries. Boundaries prevent bondage. Say that. Boundaries prevent bondage. Do you believe that? Boundaries prevent bondage. That's why we got fences. At least some countries have fences. Amen. And your home should have a fence. I'm just telling you. A dis dishonor and disrespect will not be tolerated. So, uh, here it is right here. Uh, learn to be understood and labor to understand. And then number eight, uh, house rules for communication. Honor God's blueprint for the home. Honor God's blueprint for the home. Now, you know we're living in a day when the uh, Methodists are voting on what constitutes uh, marriage, uh, if it's a man or a woman. You say, well, they voted right. The very fact they had to vote on it is a disaster. And this whole transgender thing, if you don't like the way you were born, try getting born again. I mean, I'm hearing the strangest things. The strangest things. 50-year-old men thinking now they ought to be women. What? What is going on? There's a spirit of perversion on the earth. We got a political party committed to the, to the to moral insanity. And then the other party has no guts to stand up for what's truth. So here we are. So in the house of God, we better be standing for the truth no matter what our stinking culture comes up with. Say amen, somebody. Now, the point being, God has a blueprint for the home. Now look in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. God's blueprint for the home, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. This is God's blueprint right here now. Now, the husband's greatest need is respect. You've heard this. The husband's greatest need is respect. The Bible says, let the wife see that she reverence, respect her husband. So, show respect with words. Speak with respect to your husband. Divorce is the consequence of disrespect. Divorce is the consequence of disrespect. And it says in verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Love and respect are the two most important ingredients in a marriage relationship. Now listen to this. The wife's greatest need is love. That's why it says in verse 25, husbands love your wives. That's what it says. Love your wives. Show love with words. Speak loving words. 
at the child's greatest need is to learn to honor his parents. We talked on it this morning from Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, uh, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, because words demonstrate honor. So, uh, outward, obedience, outward obedience, inward reverence, because honor or dishonor creates an environment. Honor creates an environment. Dishonor creates an environment. Do you understand we're on the brink of a civil war because of the non-civility? And, and, and I just want to say this here. The haters nowadays are more on the left than they are on the right. There's haters everywhere. But I'm just telling you, this climate of disrespect, this climate of calling people names, accusing people just because they don't agree with the philosophy... The socialists are not tolerant. Can anybody say amen on this point right here? I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling, I'm just trying to point out a point here that dishonor creates a climate. Respect creates a climate. Now, now, you know, I just grew up thinking uh, we stand and we pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that's, and I, I used to, I used to get on the baseball mound and buddy I'd be out there you know it's just it, there was some respect here there was some, some honor here not a perfect country but the best thing on the planet that's the thing we got the best thing going and if the liberals think we got such a stinking country why do we want to import illegal immigrants to come to live in such an unjust place a bunch of lunacy just lunacy back to the message here uh, I'm trying to stick to the message here and try to be encouraging amen uh, yeah oh yeah honor creates an environment that's what I'm trying to say dishonor creates an environment now when children are young they must be required to respect and obey their parents they got to be required <laughs> we never took a vote in our home hey y'all want to go to church tonight <laughs> no we're going to church tonight you know, I mean, I mean you just you got to require respect. Abraham commanded his children after him. No, no, follow this. Abraham couldn't force his children to love God, but he could. He did require respect. You know, and that's why Proverbs talks to us about discipline, godly discipline, correction in the home. And by the way, uh, when people stop correcting their children, they've given up on them. One of the signs of grace is that God keeps on correcting you. Because if God ever stops correcting you, that's a sign. It's over. <laughs> so as long as you're getting under conviction and getting corrected, that's all good. It's all good because God still cares for you. And in the home, we've got to, we've got to command our children uh, to, to obey. Now, disrespect is documented by God. Disrespect is compensated by God. You ever get around Asian people? You ever get around the you go to the Philippines, buddy, everybody's nice. <laughs> and they still like Americans because of G.I. Joe. You know, they're still, they're still humble. They're still kind. But, but, but in particular, their culture puts a high premium on uh, respecting older people. They still do that. And I want to tell you, that's not a bad thing. That is a, that is a very good thing. Now, they even bow before he, 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 one another. So the application for uh, young people is do what your mom and dad ask you to do the first time. Without complaining. Without throwing a fit. Without arguing. So respect and love and honor in speech is a key to building a happy home. The words we employ, the tone we use... 
is uh, so, so important. So a happy home is where family members speak appropriately. And our text said, put away lying. Put away deception. Just, how many know that candidness is so rare, people find it refreshing? If you find a guy that just tells you what he really thinks. <laughs> you know, I respect people who just tell me what they think. You say, okay, just go ahead. I man, at you just... Now, put away lying, speak truth, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace to the hearers. Now, I said this morning in Sunday school, we've got to go after the hearts of our children. And if you lost them, you can go out and try to recapture them. Go after them. Go after them. Don't be mad at them. Don't quit judging them. And all that's over. There's no use for that anymore. Uh, just, you know, just, just go after them. You got grandchildren? Go after their hearts. Go after them, man. Be aggressive. I mean, seek, seek to befriend them. You know, get to know them. Do stuff with them. Spend time. Have fun with them. Amen? <laughs> have, you, you don't have to have a classroom and do the Greek language, you know? Just go out and build a fort or something, you know? Just, 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 just go after them and speak to them kindly that it might minister grace to them. Now, what's the application? All right, we got three applications for us as families tonight. Uh, three applications here on the screen. Number one, how do words set the tone in a family? Maybe I didn't put that on there. It's in your book. That's where it's at. It's in your book. Pull out your book right here. Now, look down at the bottom of page 12. Page 12, look down at the bottom. Uh, how do words set the tone in a family? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have family discussion, all right? <laughs> and, and if your family's here, I want you to talk about this. Number one, talk about it. How do words set the tone in a family? And talk through it. Talk about it. Everybody have a little input, all right? Number two, which of the points listed above are needed most in our home right now? Just go down through them. Think twice before you speak. Speak calmly, not combatively. Compliment, don't criticize. Magnify the positives instead of the negatives. Listen first, speak later. Don't interrupt. Learn to interpret. Labor to be understood and labor to understand and honor God's blueprint for the home. I, I probably told you this. One time we were in a meeting and uh, I told the people, I said, uh, all right, we're going to huddle up here and then ask, ask your family members, what can we do to make our home a happier place? That was one of the questions. What can be done to make our home a happier place? Do you know my children? You know what they, they had some pointed recommendations for their father. And you know what? They were dead on. <laughs> I said, yeah, let's pray. So, so we took it to heart. So which points need to be listed above, need, need to be implemented uh, most in our home right now? And talk through that. Talk through what the needs are currently. And then pray together as a family, okay? So family huddle time, that's our invitation. Just huddle up as families, go through these things. How do words set the tone in a family? What points listed above are needed most? And then have a season of prayer together as families, okay? Huddle up, move around if you have to, that'd be fine.